We're going to be looking at one of the last chapters in Matthew. If you turn to the very end of the book of Matthew, chapter 28. Then after we read this, I'm going to just turn to Luke and read another verse for you as well. Matthew 28 says this, After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. And then in the last chapter of Luke, chapter 24, you don't have to turn there, although if you want to, you can. It says this, starting at verse 36. And while they were all talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of great joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. And then he said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the laws of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, This is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things. I am going to send what my Father has promised, but stay in this city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Let's pray one more time. Father God, thank you for your word. And Lord, as we unpack it, I pray that you would help us to understand what you are saying to us today. How does this apply to us over 2,000 years later? Lord, Give us wisdom and open hearts. Open our ears, loosen my tongue, and I pray that anything that is just from me would just go right over us, but that your word would remain. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The resurrection of Christ is the greatest power that has ever been unleashed on this planet. Not only is it the greatest power, but the story of Christ is the greatest comeback story in history. People love comeback stories, don't they? I mean, when David beats Goliath, we are all cheering. We love the underdog stories. When an underdog team ends up in the national championship, we all root for them. In the NFL, Joe Montana was the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. And in his career with them, he led the 49ers to 31 fourth quarter comebacks. And people love him for that. 
A few years ago, Sports Illustrated did an issue on the top 10 comebacks in history. And they had people like Muhammad Ali in the ranking. But they also listed non-sport comebacks. They put Germany and Japan as comeback nations after World War II because they were nations that had regained some of the the status and some of the power and some of the splendor from that time. But what is really interesting is their number one choice for comebacks. They listed Jesus Christ as the number one comeback. Sports Illustrated listed Jesus Christ as number one. And this is what they said. This is me paraphrasing, but it says, Jesus Christ is number one because he confounds his critics and stuns the Roman authorities with his resurrection. Jesus said it this way, I am the resurrection and the life. And so I want us to wrestle with a question today. How can something that happened 2,000 years ago impact your life today? What does resurrection have to do with your life? Can the resurrection actually impact us today. Let me share with you three comebacks that we are assured of because of the resurrection. And the fact is, there are people here today who probably can use a comeback. Number one, we can come back from despair to hope. We can come back from despair to hope. Because of the resurrection, we can come back from despair. In Canada, today, more and more people are struggling with things like hopelessness, despair, depression, discouragement. Maybe you're one of them. And they ask this question, where can I find hope? They often look in lots of places, we often do. Can I find my hope in culture? Can I find my hope in our economy? Should I put my hope in my property or my job or my my retirement investments? Should we put our hope in our spouse or our kids or our friends? Where do we find hope? Where can we put our hope? The Gospel of Matthew, as we just heard read, paints a picture of despair. When it introduces Two deeply hopeless people. It said this a little bit beforehand in in Matthew 27. Joseph took the body of Jesus, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of a rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance of the tomb, and then he went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, Mary was a popular name, I guess, they were both sitting there opposite the tomb. We meet Mary Magdalene and Mary, and they're sitting around in a graveyard, staring at a tomb. That's discouragement. That's despair. Then the next morning comes, and they say to themselves, hey, let's go back to the tomb and look at it some more. They're not looking for Jesus. They're not expecting anything. They're totally hopeless. They're filled with despair. They're going to watch a grave for the second day in a row. And then everything changes. At dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. 
Then there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. And the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. I know why you're here. And then he says some beautiful words. He says, He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. This is the message that replaces despair with hope. The angel says these words, He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Those three words, He has risen, are the reason that a billion people today gather to worship. He is risen is the reason why so many people from around the world believe in Jesus. If Jesus was still hanging on the cross, there is no hope. If the tomb still had Jesus' body in it, there is no hope. He is risen is the reason why Christians have hope. The Apostle Paul said, if Christ wasn't risen, then our faith is in vain and we're still in our sins. He is risen. These three words separate Jesus from every other religious leader throughout history. Moses, Joseph Smith, Buddha, Muhammad, they all have one thing in common. You can go to their grave, and they are still there. You go to Jesus' grave, he's not there. Why? Because he has risen. What is it about these three words that give people of every generation hope? See, people have not gathered for thousands of years and said, the stock market has risen. It has risen indeed. People have not said, my employment rate has risen, or Bruce Power has risen, or the value of my RRSP has risen. No. People around the world gather each Easter to proclaim that Christ has risen. He is risen indeed. And that one fact replaces despair with hope. Because Jesus rose from the grave, people can know that that is something that they can count on. Not only does the resurrection bring us hope, but number two, because of the resurrection, we can come back from feeling condemned to being forgiven. We can come back from feeling condemned to being forgiven. On Friday, some of us gathered here in the morning and we talked about the cross We talked about how God had made us initially perfect, but how humanity had turned away from God, how we had chosen to live away from God, separated from the author of life. And because of that, we had faced death. We had invented ways to hurt ourselves and to hurt other people, and yet God wanted nothing more than to reconcile us with himself. That's why he came to us in Jesus. That's why Jesus came to tell us that God was still for us and not against us. That's the reason why Jesus came to die on the cross, to bring us back and reconcile us to God, to offer us forgiveness for the sins that we had caused. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people in our world today who feel condemned rather than forgiven. And maybe you're feeling like that 
yourself. Often when we mess up, we hold on to that guilt. We hold on to that burden. I know I have felt that burden of guilt in my life. And I'm sure there are people here today who are feeling that as well. There was a man in the Bible, I'm sure, was feeling a whole lot of guilt. His name was Peter. And he was one of the disciples who had said to Jesus, this is Brian's paraphrase, these other disciples, they're wimps. They're going to abandon you, but Jesus, I will stand with you. I will be there in the thick and thin. You're going to jail, I'll come with you. You're going to the cross, I'll come with you. But Peter's talk was bigger than his actions. And Peter denied Jesus three times. He let a little girl scare him. He ran away, leaving Jesus and going to his former way of life, just when Jesus needed him most. And then a couple days later, Peter hears Jesus is alive. Now tell me, if you're Peter, is that good news for you? Or is that really bad news for you? Can you imagine the other disciples saying to Peter, Yeah, Jesus is alive. You're toast now. (laughs) Jesus rose from the dead. And you were the one who betrayed him. You're the one who, who denied him. You're the one who abandoned him. I think sometimes... Some of us can feel the same way. And we wonder, if Christ really is alive, am I going to find forgiveness? Or am I going to find condemnation? If I walk into a church, am I going to find a God of love or a God of judgment? Do I have a future with God, or is he just going to discard me like I feel I deserve? In the Gospel of Mark, the angel says, But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Just so you know, Mark wasn't a disciple. Mark was a guy who was kind of a third-party guy who wanted to tell the story of Jesus, but hadn't encountered Jesus in physical flesh. And so he went to Peter, and he said, Peter, tell me your stories of Jesus. I want to hear them. I want to write them down. I want other people to know this life-changing power of Jesus. And so Peter told him all the stories that we now find in the Gospel of Mark. And this is the one that we find in the Gospel of Mark. And it says, the angel says, But go tell his disciples and Peter that Jesus is going ahead of you into Galilee. The angel announces that Jesus is alive and wants to meet with his disciples. And he says, very specifically, go tell his disciples and Peter. Isn't that awesome? Essentially, the angel is saying, make sure that Peter knows that Jesus still loves him. Make sure to tell Peter that Jesus wants to meet with him. Make sure to tell Peter that he has a future with Jesus. Make sure that Peter knows that he still matters. One of the beautiful things about the resurrection is that it means that your past, no matter how horrible you feel it is, no matter what you have done, is forgivable. 
You cannot walk away far enough from God that he cannot reach you. What Jesus does for Peter, he's ready to do for each and every one of you. He shows up in your life not to condemn you, but to wrap his arms of love around you. Peter discovered that he didn't have to live condemned. He could live forgiven. And we too can come back from condemnation to forgiveness. The third thing that I want to share with you today about the comebacks that Jesus offers us is that we can come back from death to life. There's an old joke. There are three guys who are talking about what they want people to say about them at their funeral. The first guy says, I want people to say, you know, he was a great guy. The second guy says, I want them to say that he was a wonderful husband and a great dad. The third guy says, well, you know what I want? I want them to say, hey, look, he's moving. (laughs) Jesus said to Martha and Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. We are offered life after death. Jesus is saying here that if you are connected to him, because he rose from the dead, you too can rise from the dead. Because he lives forever, you too can live forever if you're connected to him. Now, I don't know if you've thought very much about death. Our culture tries to help us not think very much about death. But I want you to look for a second at everyone around you. To the left, to the right, behind you, forwards. Do you know what you all have in common? In 120 years, we will all be dead. And only a fool would spend their entire life knowing that something is going to happen and not being prepared for it. See, there is a risen Savior. There is life after death. And because of Jesus... Your future with him can be secure. At the end of the Gospel of John, explains why he even wrote his book to begin with. He says this. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book. And there's a lot that's recorded in that book. Jesus did so much more. But these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that in believing, you may have life in his name. See, Jesus is showing us that by believing in him, we will have life even after death. We just sang a song that, that quotes a part of 1 Corinthians where Paul says this, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, in other words, the things that die are clothed with the things that never die. When the mortal is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. 
But then he ends with this. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, this is the kind of confidence that people can have when they have Jesus in their lives. This is the kind of confidence that you can have today. Because he rose, you too can also rise. That is good news. In John's Gospel, we read this. Now this is eternal life, that you know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. So let me just break it down to you this way. There are two sides to this message. On the one side, we have despair, condemnation, and death. And that kind of feels like our world right now. People are living in despair. They're stuck in condemnation. They're fearful of death. But the resurrection gives us hope. The resurrection gives us grace and forgiveness. The resurrection gives us life in Jesus' name. And I want to tell you today that because of the resurrection, all of those things are offered to you today. Jesus is offering you hope, forgiveness, and eternal life. In a minute, I'm just going, I'm going to pray, and I'll invite you to close your eyes and just shut out everyone else around you. And I want to invite you that if you have never accepted those things from Jesus, if you've never said, Jesus, I want what you have to offer me. I want the hope that you are offering me. I want the forgiveness that you are offering me. I want the life that you are offering me. I want to invite you to receive those things today. Because today can be the beginning of a new start for you. Today can be the beginning of the rest of your life with Jesus. And so I want to invite you to pray with me. Just to pray in your head. We're not, going to invite you, we're not going to ask you to put your hand up or to stand or any of those things. But if you honestly want what Jesus is offering you today, then I would invite you to just quiet your heart and humble your heart and to repeat in quiet just these words. And let's pray. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus. I believe that Jesus was who he said he was and proved it by rising from death. Lord, I want to discover and begin following your plan and purpose for my life. I want to get to know you personally. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me and forgiving all my sin. I receive you now as my Lord and my Savior. And I find in you hope. I find in you forgiveness. And I find in you life. Help me to follow you today and all my days. Amen. If you've just prayed that prayer, I want to let you know that if you were sincere about it, you now have hope. Jesus can be your hope. He can be the thing that you stand on when everything else around you is shaking. You have forgiveness. And the things that you've done, even the things that you're going to do, 
can be taken away by a God who loves you and forgives you. And you have that life, not only here on earth, but once we die, that you can be with Jesus forever. More importantly, you have a God who is for you and not against you. And you can now have that relationship with him and start learning, how do I live for him each day? And so if you prayed that prayer today, I just want to invite you to come up after the service and talk to me, and I can just help you to figure out what that next step is for you. And I'd love to pray with you.